to and welcome to Primary Matters, a podcast that looks into the things that matter to the primary industries. I'm Carol Stiles, and in this series, Hook, Line and Sinker, we're taking a dive into Aotearoa New Zealand's seafood and aquaculture industries. New Zealand has established mussel, oyster and salmon farms, and now there could be a new kid on the block. Today, I'm heading out on the Hauraki Gulf from Coromandel to take a look at it. So, so this spool here is spool, spool number 293, um, it, was, it was one of the lower quality spools last time, coverage was sort of 0 to 20% in that range, and it looks like we actually quite got quite high survival I would say here. They a lot got of the quite a bit too since last time. Yeah, and that, what, they're up near 10 mil. We're at Esk Point and um, through our Green Wave Aotearoa project we are trying to kickstart a seaweed aquaculture industry and they are right now looking at the seaweed that we have grown. So we've got a piece of PVC pipe and it's got some really thin twine or string wrapped around it and then we've got lots of tiny little uh, seedlings of kelp, baby kelp that are growing on it and the spool's been left out in the water for three weeks. Two and a half, three weeks? Yeah, and so we were just seeing whether um, how they do if we can acclimatise the spools in the water and if that helps with survival and so... It looks like it might, it's a bit hard to tell. They didn't die, <laughs> which, which was, we half expected these ones to, to die really, and um, the fact that it looks like most of them have actually survived means it's, it's something that we should look at more. The University of Waikato is leading the research and is designing trials to find the best way to establish the seaweed and to grow it. Rebecca Lawton, Marie Magnuson and Peter Andrup have their beanies and wet weather gear on and clipboards in hand to assess how the seaweed Eclonia radiata is faring. So the golden kelp is its common name. If that's easier to say. <laughs> <laughs> Much easier. Yeah. Is this the seaweed that you see washed up on beaches? Yes, yep. Yeah, so I mean there's lots of brown seaweeds that get washed up, but yeah, this is one of the main ones that washes up on beaches. Yeah. It's one of the most common seaweed and abundant seaweed around the coasts of New Zealand. Um, so that's why you often you so often see it being washed up as well. It's just really, really abundant and common. And because it grows so well everywhere, then the chances are it'll grow really you know, it's a good species to try rather than something that doesn't grow very much or isn't only found in a few isolated places, we know it grows well and grows in lots of different places. So that gives us hope that it should grow really well when we want to aquaculture it and grow it on lines. Is this something that is replicated elsewhere in the world? Do other people do this? Yes and no. <laughs> so um, this is the first time that anyone's tried to grow this particular type of seaweed. There are other people growing similar related seaweeds, um, but not this particular type. And so um, we can take what they've how they grow it overseas and try and do the same thing here, but we're having to understand what works for our species and what doesn't and what works for New Zealand conditions, and, and that's part of what this project is trying to answer. Now, before you pulled up, when we stopped before, you pulled up some seaweed that looked fairly healthy and like I would expect seaweed to look. Is, was that, that was something that you'd planted a few months ago or put out in the sea a few months ago? Yeah, so that one was put out at the end of May. It's actually been growing really well as well and in really lovely condition and, yeah, nice and healthy. That's what you want to see, and that's sort of yes, that was very exciting. <laughs> the first time yeah. we pulled it up, we were whooping and whooping, and <laughs> very excited to see it growing really well, which is really um, encouraging and is showing us that the seaweed can grow out here. So it's just a matter of working out the right size and the right way to do it. 
Divers collect reproductive tissue from seaweed in the wild. That tissue is taken back to a land-based hatchery where it's stressed a little and releases spores. So we've got two hatcheries. So we have a one research hatchery at the University of Waikato in Tauranga uh, and then there's the commercial hatchery here at Prisa Point in the Coromandel where we're transferring the knowledge that we're, uh, all the learnings that we're gaining at the research hatchery. We're transferring here and training up the industry partners. The seaweed spores settle onto twine and start growing. After that we wrap that seeded twine around these grow ropes out here in the ocean and as you can see it's growing, it's looking pretty healthy. That's EnviroStrap Senior Project Manager Rebecca Barclay-Cameron. EnviroStrap supports and delivers environmentally sound natural resource projects and is leading this Green Wave Aotearoa program. It's a proof of concept so what we're doing right now is we're um, nailing down the hatchery operations, farming operations and the harvesting and we're trying to figure out how to do it in an um, economically viable manner. How confident are you that there'll be a market for this seaweed? 100% um, certain that there is many markets and more will unfold. Rebecca says the seaweed Aclonia radiata has a wide range of uses as a biostimulant for soil health for animal and bee nutrition, food for us, for nutraceuticals, wound care and bioplastics, and in agriculture to wrap seedlings. She says a thriving seaweed industry would not only generate income for the regions, but also clean up the environment. There are no inputs required, so once you plant the um, seedlings out, you don't need to do anything. You just need to wait and let it grow. And while it's out there growing, it is actually absorbing nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus. It's also um, assimilating or absorbing carbon. So it's got multiple benefits, not only environmental, but economic, social and cultural. $5 million is being channelled into the seaweed farming project over three years. The government's chipping in almost $2 million through the Sustainable Food and Fibre Futures Fund. Greenwave New Zealand's partners include Waikato University, seaweed products company Premium Seas, Gold Ridge Marine Farm, Naitaiki Tamaki and also AgriSea, a business that wants to buy the seaweed. A company in the United States, also by the name of Greenwave, is mentoring Greenwave New Zealand. The US arm started farming seaweed about 12 years ago. Their catchphrase is, make a living on a living planet, which I love. And they have gifted us our name. So basically we thought there is a lot of mana and respect for Greenwave in the States. So what we did was we spoke to um, Bren Smith, the founder of Greenwave in the United States. Now, he developed this regenerative ocean farming practice to basically combat the fisheries decline over there. So there were a whole bunch of fishermen who were out of business because their fisheries collapsed. So he basically put his knowledge of the um, fishing and the ocean to practice and created a new industry from um, shellfish and seaweed. And what we've done is we've used his regenerative ocean farming model which co-locates compatible marine species in one space for multiple benefits, not only biodiversity and you know environmental climate, climate change impacts, it also provides a lot of income. In this case, a seaweed industry would use the existing mussel farming infrastructure. 
Rebecca and the team are looking to learn whether the seaweed harvest could take place at the same time mussels are hauled up and harvested, or in a separate operation. How old is the seaweed that they've just pulled up? That is approximately four months old, four to six months old. I don't know how you measure seaweed. So you measure its growth by actually measuring the length of the blades when you pull it out of the ocean. These went in at about, mm, about one to two centimetres length and now they're about 25 centimetres. So that's really good growth. How long will that seaweed need to remain in the water to be a harvestable crop? Yeah, well, it really depends on the end use. Um, so it could be six months or it could be 12 months. Do many other countries around the world have a farmed seaweed industry? There are well-established industries within Asia and in Europe. Australia is currently also trialling Eclonia radiata, but no one's really cracked Eclonia. So that's what we're trying to do here. When did you start? Um, a year and a half ago, although the, the actual project started about four years ago, where we undertook a feasibility study. Is this type of seaweed easy to grow all around New Zealand, or are there pockets where it's better suited? We chose this species because it actually is found all around the North Island and into areas down south as well. So it's one of the most robust seaweeds that we have. It's quite climate resilient. Um, so that's why we chose it. And we chose these sites because it's actually been growing on the muscle lines already. So are you at the stage that you thought you'd be at, what, 18 months down the track? We're growing seaweed, which is a really positive, you know, um, outcome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm impatient. I want things to happen quickly, um, but sometimes nature doesn't play ball. So, you know, uh, we have made some really incredible advances in the hatchery um, and farming side of things, but we haven't quite found that magic formula. So, but we're getting there. How long do you think it could be until this industry's up and running? I would like to say a year, but you know, I get told many times by uh, my colleagues and those in the know that really it takes about 10 years to get a new aquaculture industry up and running. So what we've achieved in a year and a half is pretty spectacular and um, yeah, I think you should just watch the space. Rebecca Barclay Cameron from EnviroStrat. She says the beauty of the Green Wave model is that it's regenerative, scalable and relatively low cost. I'm Carol Stiles and you've been listening to Hook, Line and Sinker, a series in MPI's Primary Matters podcast. Thanks for listening. Kia pai te